Hey, welcome. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Check the Mark. I'm Mark Lucero, and I'm recording this in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower. We are at the one of the tournament hotels. It's the Pullman Eiffel Tower. It's where we've been posted up for the last few days. Got here on Friday, doing a training week, and then going to kick off on Sunday or Monday. On Sunday, obviously, the French Open is one of the Grand Slams that has that Sunday start. They play 16 main draw matches, 8 men's singles, 8 women's singles, and then they spread them out over those three days, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Right now is qualies. Uh, this is uh, recording on Thursday morning. Last round of qualies are spread out over today and tomorrow. The French, again, a little tricky. They spread out that third round of qualies over two days. So the players that got the Monday start during qualies will play their final round qualies today. The players that got their Tuesday start in qualies will play the final round qualies tomorrow, which is Friday in Paris time. Always special driving into Paris the first time you get a glimpse of the Eiffel Tower or the first time you see the Eiffel Tower at night when it's all lit up. <laughs> it reminds me of that opening scene. Not the opening scene, but that scene in Devil Wears Prada where she goes to Paris. <laughs> and their opening scene in the Paris part of the movie is, you know, you 2 comes on City of Blinding Lights and she's riding along the Seine in the car and taking a look out. And uh, that's how it is in real life, to be honest. But the tennis part of it, can become routine very quickly the more times you come here for the tournament. It doesn't get old, you know, when you get to site and you get your credential and you go out to the practice courts and you play on these just immaculate red clay courts, maybe the best clay courts that I've probably ever hit on in the world. That part doesn't get old. It doesn't get old every time you go to practice. Every time a practice court turns over, here's the funny thing. Every time a practice court turns over, which means every hour, half hour if it's, you know, a warm-up, but every time a new player or players go on the practice court. Three guys run out to that court, two guys sweeping, one guy doing the lines, and then one guy watering. This happens every time the practice court turns over. And so for every court at the facility, I'm thinking there's maybe 18, 19 courts at Roland Garros proper. At the annex, there's four more, which is one of the practice sites that's in the Bois de Boulogne. At Jean Bois, where there's another probably 10 courts that's a block behind the facility the other way. Each one of these courts, so that's maybe around 30 courts, there's three or four guys that are in charge of each actual court that do this all day long from the first practice time to the last practice time of the day. That stuff doesn't get old, but the tennis part, the other parts of it, they can become very routine very quickly, and it's very easy to kind of fall into that insular mindset of practice. Set up the next one book the next one, do the rackets, do a ticket requests, do all the other stuff that comes along at a Grand Slam, and you really just never get off the hamster wheel, and you become, as my significant other likes to say, uh, a hermit, going between the hotel and the courts, hotel and the courts, and not really doing anything else. And obviously, the closer you get to tournament time, the more serious things get, and heaven forbid you win a match, it starts again for the next one, recovery, what are we going to do for practice tomorrow? Are we going to get a hitting partner? Do I need to find a left-hander? All these other things, and then dealing with you know the text and the phone and all that. There really is rarely time for things to be too enjoyable. And this, I bring this up because yesterday I ran to one of my buddies who has been out of the pro tennis world for a little bit. My buddy Dustin Taylor, he's the head coach now at Oklahoma State. We worked together at the USTA, and... He was a tour presence before that. We worked at the USTA. He left to go to University of Virginia, came back to the USTA, and then went back to college now where, like I said, he has taken over a program at Oklahoma State. 
I saw him at Jean Buon and he asked me if I was having fun <laughs> or, you know, and he said to enjoy it. And, and I kind of just gave a quick answer. Then I sort of was hustling around and he from further away was like, enjoy it, man. That's where we always wanted to be. Where we wanted to be as kids. And, and Dustin DT was exactly right, man. You know, I remember as a kid watching in 89, watching in 1990. And, you know, the first Grand Slam I can really remember watching closely was the 1990 French when Andre Agassi, who was a hero of mine, lost to Andres Gomez in the final, a match I thought for sure he was going to win, for sure. You know, he was wearing the hot lava, the pink and the black uh, Nike outfits that were super cool, the jean shorts, you know, the cool hair, the headband, uh, the loud racket, and playing his, his style of tennis. That was what kind of drew me into the game, and it, it reminded me of this paper I wrote, I think maybe in sixth grade, sixth or seventh grade. You know, the prompt was to write about a trip that you would like to take. And I wrote about going to Paris. I wrote about going to Roland Garros because you can play on the red clay courts and it's in the Bois de Boulogne and the 16th arrondissement. And I honestly hadn't probably thought of that paper and maybe since I wrote it, maybe since I, you know, had, had it graded and then did another draft. And then it was kind of this long project that we worked on as far as this Chris creative writing part of the curriculum we were doing. But this is where I've wanted to be. And, and as coaches, you know, when you start out and you work with whatever level, my first coaching job was with college players. And eventually I decided that I, I wanted to work at the tour level. And I kind of kept working towards that. When you start working at the tour you know, level, even if you start working at the minor league tour level, you were working towards the grand slams. And if you're a player, if you're a pro player, you work towards the Grand Slams. You play Futures, you play Challengers, and then you play Tour events. And it's all in the name of building those points and ending up at the show, at, at the Grand Slams. These are the four biggest stages in, in our in our world. And it's so easy to forget that. It's so easy to become yeah, disenchanted, obviously, as you learn more about the politics of the game and the ins and outs and the things and how the world works. But it's so easy for this to become just a given that this is where you go four times a year and to not enjoy it and to not really have that much more fun or to not appreciate it looking around in the big picture and understanding what a freaking privilege it is to be here and the work that goes into putting it on the obviously the commitment from the sponsors the commitments from the federations from the four grand slam nations all that stuff being said what a freaking treat it is to be here in the spring springtime in Paris, in, in such a beautiful city. I really, my kind of my goal this trip is to really enjoy it, to be grateful for it, to appreciate it, and to continue to approach it with humility, which I think I do, because I try to sort of have that gratitude. I try to make a, make a point to thank the people in charge whenever it's possible. I try to make a point to do certain things in the city to take advantage of it, but it's it's really hard to do that sometimes. And I think uh, that's something that I'm going to continue to try to remember. And I thank DT for the reminder. Much appreciated, DT. So today we're going to have a chat with my boy, Brian Garber. Brian is a BC guy like myself. He's an eagle. And we're going to talk a little tennis. This is his first Grand Slam, so I want to talk to him about that. Uh, he's been working at this for a long time and playing, paying his dues, getting better as a coach. Um, he went to the business school at BC like myself, and I think he worked actually in the business world for a while before jumping back into tennis. He's been at the college level, he's been at the junior level, been at the pro level, and 
like I kind of you know mentioned earlier, he has been working towards opportunities like this, and just you know we're gonna have a great chat later, so I'll get to that in a minute. But I want to talk about the conditions in Paris first. So I've been here for about six days now, and the weather has been toasty. I think the coolest day maybe was 75, 76 degrees. The last few days, it's been into the mid to high 80s, and man, the balls are just moving through the court. I talked in the last episode about the Wilson balls that we were using in LA, the Wilson Roland Garros balls. The ball plays entirely differently here. Here, the ball feels hard. It's not fluffing up much. It's just like a little BB. It's hitting the court and just exploding up. The courts here are really taking the kick serves. They're nice and firm. I think they're gonna add a little bit of clay. I think they've been doing that periodically at the end of the day. Um, however, the court's still bouncy. They're, they're fairly packed down. They do a pretty good job keeping the courts from being too uh, powdery, I, I guess maybe is the word. So the ball's bouncing. The you know If you're hitting heavy topspin, the, the ball's really getting up high on the other player, up around the shoulders. So like I said, kick serves will be good here. Players who like to pump the ball with some spin, even players who hit the ball flat through the court, I'm thinking about a Just Pagula, she's going to like the conditions here as long as the weather continues to stay hot. I looked in the next week, looking at my Dark Sky app, it only gets me to about Tuesday, so, but the temperature is going to stay up here. It, the thing is, you never know what's going to happen in Paris. That's why it's important to look at the weather. You could, you never know how to pack. You could be looking at 45 degrees and rainy, 50 degrees and just cold where you're bundled up. I mean, I, I've seen a ton of matches where I've been out there full sweats, full sweatshirt, puffer over that, towel over that, you know, beanie on, and you're still cold. And then you come out two days later, it's 80 degrees. You just never know how it's going to be. The importance of that is that man, it just changes the what the courts will reward as far as tactics. So we like these warmer conditions. We like it bouncy. We like it hot. We like that ball out there moving. As a result, the only thing you gotta do is maybe you moderate your tension a little bit. You change it. Some of the guys actually, you know, conventional wisdom is for more control you go tighter. Some of the guys actually for more control will go lower, so the strings will just hold onto the ball a split second longer and give them even more spin so they can continue to swing out with confidence knowing that that ball is going to drop in the court because of those you know the poly strings and the properties that those strings have the way we started the show has me so contemplative right now i just think about how lucky we are you know how far we've come really in the last two years in 2020 they had the october version of rolling Garros. i didn't come that year my little girl was uh, just a month old, Isabella. So I stayed home with her. 2021, last year, the French Open was a week later than normal, but we were in a freaking bubble. We were allowed one hour a day to walk around and to get some fresh air, which kind of breaks the bubble, but it was, you know, was what it was. You play by someone else's rules whenever you go somewhere else. So we did that. I would take a, a walk along the river each day, walk down to the Eiffel Tower, turn around and come back for my one hour of uh, you know yard time. And this year to have no restrictions, obviously there are still issues with COVID that everyone's dealing with around the world, but for the most part, societies are trying to move forward. So now to have these no, you know, these no restrictions, this lack of restrictions, being able to go out to restaurants, being able to sit in cafes, being able to sit outside, really the only thing I have to deal with right now are my allergies, which have been freaking brutal this year. And more people, I, I talked to a lot of people about it and they are feeling the same way. I wish I had a, a higher dose of Claritin because the one pill I'm taking each morning 
man, it's like this ongoing battle each day <laughs> from morning to night between Claritin and between all the stuff in the air. And some days uh, Claritin wins, some days the pollen wins. But it's just uh, this daily struggle that I don't know how it's going to go. The good thing is, uh, at the site, things aren't too bad, even though Roland Garros has really done a good, nice job improving their site, adding some green spaces, adding trees. And if you've been to Roland Garros, you know how the trees kind of hang over from the neighborhood in the back. And obviously, you have the forest on the other side. But when you're on site, really, things, things don't seem too bad over there as far as, you know, the itchy eyes and the throat and the ears and all that. But in the city, just if you're on a bike, if you're on a scooter, if you're on a line bike or any or you're even on foot, it, it looks like it's snowing the last couple of days. There's just so much stuff in the air being blown around, and it makes things <laughs> really difficult to manage sometimes. But these are first world problems, and we are definitely surviving. I think it's time to get to the interview. Let's uh, cut over to Brian Garber. All right, joining us on Check the Mark is my boy, uh, Brian Garber, a fellow Boston College Eagle and Brian is here in Paris this week. Brian, thanks for coming on. I know it's early. 9 a.m. in Europe is a little different than 9 a.m. in the States. I got my coffee next to me, and I'm sure uh, you've been up and at them and uh, doing the same thing. Yeah, I got the coffee going. It is. I'm an early guy at home, East Coast guy, but, but 9 a.m. in Paris is, is an early early get up that was a struggle all week huh <laughs> totally you know in, in paris it's easy to get the like the euro practices going like the late afternoon hits especially you know that first day you get here in the morning maybe you sleep it off a little bit and you start off with that late afternoon rhythm it's tough to break out of it it is i that was such a funny thing here is booking practice i i was panicking about the 10 a.m and we showed up at 10 and we were about to, one of four people inside the gym i was like okay i think mornings work here <laughs> so brian what i've been talking about this episode is kind of this idea of of appreciation you know one of the coaches i talked to yesterday i ran into him and and he just told me hey man are you, are you having fun and then like, you need to have fun so it's so easy in this business to get jaded. Why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, your background, about where you've been coaching, and then about your first trip this year to Roland Garros as a coach? Yeah, for sure. Gratitude is such a great thing for me this week. That's probably been the biggest thing. Um, this is my first Grand Slam for ATP and in qualies, but for me, it's still a Grand Slam. Um, before this, I. I had worked a little bit on the women's tour, a short stint, um, had done that because I had worked on the girls' side at Everett Academy for a few years, had worked at an academy in Atlanta before that. Didn't play at a crazy high level, so kind of went through steps, coaching beginners, adults, juniors that were just starting all the way up to juniors playing Orange Bowl, Eddie Her level, and kind of, kind of, everywhere you can possibly go coaching in the sport to, to get to this point. So gratitude was the name of the game this week and stepping on first day into Roland Garros was, it was one of those things where I, I did my, I generally do that everywhere I go. I did the full lap and it was one of those full laps where I was in awe the whole time, probably not a word spoken, just silence for, for a good 25 minutes. <laughs> Just walking around, taking a look. I mean, the, the sight is so breathtaking, especially when you show up and the weather is pretty nice. 
oh man, weather couldn't have been better this week. And yeah, it, I don't know what it is. It's like it's TV or we were in Germany or I was in Germany last week for red clay. I've been on the red clay before and other places, but there's something about seeing that first dirt court when you walk into Roland Garros. It's just different. It's it's so pure. It's I know people, we spent a day at a museum yesterday looking at Monet, but for me, looking at the red clay there is as breathtaking. <laughs> it's just everything they do here, it, it seems it's it's for the experience of the players and for the experience of the people around them. And you know, coming from other events, coming from, you know, Challengers or even Miami, the last place, you know, that, that we saw each other, it's just such a step up and, you know, you, you get a little used to it, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to talk to you because it's something that was new for you, something that was fresh for you. And, you know, sometimes it, it's so easy to lose track of that when you're worried about the wins and losses, you know? Yeah, man. And, and I mean, you and I have talked about it other times too. Like I, I let those things affect me sometimes. And this is one of those weeks where it was just got lucky enough to have my wife come over too. And, and I'm, it's funny because you try to explain to somebody else the significance and why it's so incredible being at a place like that and try to make them appreciate. But I, I just think when you're outside of the sport versus in it, like, man, I, I went and sat in Chatrier for probably 35 minutes while, while, God, I was waiting for stretching and all that kind of stuff. I just went in there and sat for 35 minutes and I just went through all the matches that I watched there as a kid growing up, watching Guga draw the heart in the court. And mm. like the images of all those things for me, sitting in the stands, I just sat in silence. Again, like silence is the name of the game for me this week. I just sat there and took in the noises and, and the views. And, and it was, I don't know, man. It was one of those things that it's like, regardless of wins and losses, it's it's, it's gratitude for being here, but it's also such a motivation to be back and to stay longer and those kind of things. So it's like, it was almost like it's full circle. You at the beginning and at the end, I kind of did the same thing. And same in Chatrier is just like sitting there and like, man, like if this isn't motivation for you to get back to this place again and to, to be here again, because you know how this sport goes, nothing's guaranteed. Hmm. We never know that could be the last one. So I just, I, I tried to, soak in as much as I could but also like use that like hey man like this is why you got to keep working got to keep getting better because like it doesn't get any better than being here yeah I think people kind of forget about that too for for coaches same as any sport they work their way up through you know they work in the minor leagues they work you know yeah. as in the higher levels of the minor leagues they work at you know whatever the big leagues and then you know maybe they make it to the playoffs and obviously for us in tennis you know, the Grand Slams essentially are the playoffs. And the, the way that the players work their way up, it's the same for the coaches. And there's that desire to continue working the, you know, up there and we're getting to higher levels and, and to ultimately, like, work at the highest levels of the sport. Yeah, yeah, man. And, and I don't take any of that for granted. It's like I kind of was on my way up and had it taken away with some, with some health stuff and never thought I was going to get to this point. So I think in a weird way, it was such a good thing for me because now – when you're younger, you think you're invincible. And it was like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm, I'm already on tour. And now I'm going to be cruising the Grand Slams for the next 15 years and that kind of thing. And you, and you lose it for a while and you think you're not going to get it. And to be able to get back to it, it's like, 
now I really have a different mentality with it. It's like, I don't know if this is the last and I'm going to treat it like it is, but I'm also going to treat it like I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure it isn't. So it's, it's been like to say a cool week. Like I, I obviously I consider my wedding to be one of the greatest days of my life. If I didn't, <laughs> my wife, my, my, my wife would get a little upset with, with me, but the first day walking onto that site, I, I would say, and even hitting man, like I, I'm not the greatest hitter in the world. I, I'm not the worst, not the best. But uh, I mean, you can play. The, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, okay. Forehand, eh, but no. <laughs> um, but that first day of hitting at RG, like I, I've never felt better hitting a tennis ball in my life. And and it's funny, like we got done with practice that day, and I just I just told player I was like that might have been the most enjoyable hit that I've had, and maybe since in college, like ECACs when we played at at flushing and we were playing on court 10 or whatever but like thinking back to like that many years probably 16 years ago like that was the most fun that i've had hitting a tennis ball and it was like i never thought about how missing a ball i never thought about anything it was just like soaking in like man every bounce was pure every everything the noises like it's just like a full full sensory experience you know totally was there anything that surprised you at Roland Garros, either with you know the way things worked or with with the site or anything like that? Um, it's actually, I figured being in the city, I didn't I didn't think the site would be as as big as it is. Um, like decent walk, like we because like everybody talks about court. how small it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So practiced on court two and then practiced on court sixteen, basically like the two ends of of the facility, and it was a decent hall, which. I'm a big walker, so I enjoy that. Like that's how I I blow off my steam is is I take nature cruises is what I call them, and like I had plenty of space for my nature cruises, and and I enjoyed that part of it. And the other part of it, I I love things inside of cities. I, I grew up a, a Fenway Park guy, so I, I love when when sports facilities are in the middle of the city, and it's like you're practicing on some court, and you have the beautiful apartment buildings behind you. There's so much green around the facility, like it's it just feels like one of those in the city facilities that you kind of don't even really know it's there until you're there. And and I love that about it. It's funny. Like Stevie and I always joke about, um, you know, one of our favorite, favorite podcasts. I know you listen to is spit, spit and chicklets and they did an interview a while back with one of the players. And he was talking about how, you know, in the NHL locker room, you know, you, when you're going to go take a shower, you know, you grab a few towels, you grab a towel around your waist, you throw a towel over your shoulders, maybe you grab another towel. And then this guy got sent down to the AHL and he was trying to do the same thing. He asked the trainer for another towel in the locker room. And the trainer's like, what are you talking about? This is a one towel league. You know, Roland Garros. So we always joke about, you know, if he goes down to play a challenger, you know, he's down in a one towel league. But here at Roland Garros, this is like a three towel, four towel league. It's just, uh, everything is laid out for the players and it's just it's so nice to be here and you know pick up two cans of balls for practice that's probably what that may be the biggest uh, similarity between uh, tennis and hockey with the towels there and and unbelievable too is like you have 300 about 300 players rolling in weeks like this that kind of stuff and like you're walking in and you get a good morning and already you're on this court in the morning you don't have to go find anything for yourself it's unbelievable the guys at the practice desk remember you by name. They're they're sitting there with two cans of balls ready to go for you for practice. Anything it's yeah, it's like to say like I, I was talking to my father who coached pro hockey and was never worked as often just we think he deserved it, but it was one of those like I called him, I was like, 
like this is really the show like this is mm. this is it and it's 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 palpable you know it's it's a different feeling like, and like you said like miami open huge tournament masters 1000 all that stuff but it it's like it's just a different feel totally totally so you're here a couple more days you're you know spend some time in the city what are you what, what's on the tap for the next couple of days you i know you've you went to a couple of museums what's uh what's on the agenda yeah museums are name of the game um wife's big into art i i enjoy my art too um different types of things we got to see impressionist art yesterday we're we're actually going to do a day friday versailles oh awesome i'm ex i'm excited for that um i hear i hear amazing things and it's like it's funny my, my sister lived in paris studied abroad in college and i was laughing i was talking to her i was like everywhere i go like the pictures I take, it's like, I feel like I'm in the textbook again. Like I mm. see things and I'm like, man, like this is what I learned about. <laughs> and I've gotten to use my, my French that I never thought I would use back in the day. So <laughs> it's, it's been awesome in that way. Are you guys zipping around? Are you doing the scooters? Are you taking the line bikes? How are you guys getting around? Yeah, we're going to do, <laughs> don't, we're, we're a little lazy on Friday. We've, we've gotten so much. It's funny, like in the U.S., we just, we're not in New York City, so we just don't do a ton of walking, and, and you don't realize how much walking you do in cities, and it's the best. Um, but we're we're doing a golf cart tour of Versailles. Oh, so don't dude, make fun that's of so me. cool! What yeah, a good idea. I'm actually pretty. I'm fired up for it. Oh man, I, I was haggard for the first couple of days. Uh, my significant other was here as well, and I put in the hard yards walking, dude. My lower body was just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have any calves, and by the end of this trip, I think I have. I might have a little bit of calf action going, so it's it's a good thing. Oh man, yeah. Now I'm just uh, zipping around on the on the these electric bikes, dude. They make the trip so easy. That's I haven't taken that up yet. Too much cobblestone, and I'm worried. Um, I don't trust my balance. I might be over the top of the handlebars if I did that. Well, that's good. You got to protect the money maker, man, at all costs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, listen, dude. Thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate your time. You know, I'm so glad that you uh, were here in Paris. It, you know, it's cool for me as, as a friend to, you know, to see you here, and especially as a as a fellow Eagle. Um, That's I right. I wish you the best of luck. And, uh, dude, let, let's hopefully see you again soon. Man, good luck this week. I, I love the pod. Um, it's it's one of my favorite things to listen to. It's so refreshing being a tennis person, listening to conversational things about tennis that the normal person and the tennis person can both like you're doing an awesome job with it and you've been an awesome friend and mentor for me so thank you for everything mark thanks my man have a good one all right man huge thanks to brian for coming on making the time for our little chat this morning brian as you can tell is a thoughtful guy very genuine and an extremely hard worker and these qualities i think go really far in our game players want a coach around them who will put the player first, who is sincere, and who is empathetic. I think things have changed over the years, and the the taskmasters, the Bobby Knight kind of guys, there's really not much of a place for them in, in sports these days. I think what you want to see is a coach who has human intelligence, who has that emotional intelligence to understand sort of how to get through to the player, but who can also speak directly to the player and hold them accountable and sort of finding that fine line, finding that way to talk to somebody, but to also grab their attention sometimes and to say the things that maybe they don't want to hear. That's really important. And that's a balance that I think all coaches work through and try to find. And that just takes time. It takes knowing your player and learning about 
that player and then building the trust really because if you don't have the trust and you want to speak honestly those really aren't relationships that end up lasting a long time particularly in tennis where the power balance is very very tricky with the payer the player paying the bills but the coach being the one who in theory has that sort of position of authority as just a tennis thing anyway subscribe rate and review to check the mark i continue to endeavor to put out more content. I want to try to make this a weekly thing. I really, really am trying hard. So I want to try to put out another episode for the start of next week, for the start of the main draw of Roland Garros. Enjoy watching it on television. Tennis Channel has wall-to-wall coverage, first ball to last ball. So you're going to be able to get all the tennis you want on the Mosaic coverage online. You can dial it up and you can get all the courts, I think. You can get all the matches. These are going to be solo calls. I did this a couple of years ago from the Tennis Channel studios in LA. It's a great way to see all the matches, period. No excuses. So take some naps, get some rest, watch all the tennis. Shoot me a note at Mark Lucero on Twitter, at Mark Lucero on the gram. Let me know what you, again, what you want to hear about. And I'm going to try to do a good job and pump out some more content. I'm going to try to get another interview for Monday. I'm going to go to a museum today. Lingerie. Orangerie. Is that how you say it? I'm not sure. I'm going to bungle it because, hey, that's what we do over here. We try to speak some French. doesn't always come out perfectly, but I'm going to see some Impressionist art. Huge collection of Renoir, Cezanne, Matisse, who's my favorite. I'm a big fan of Matisse when it comes to the Impressionist era. So I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get some snails later. Escargot, huge fan. Who doesn't like anything where there's pesto and butter involved? I certainly do. If you've never tried snails, <laughs> you better ask somebody. It's the bomb. Talk to you later. I'm out.